Let us pray. Father, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Please take my words, Lord, carry them by your power into the hearts of everyone who listens. Lord, may they hear what comes from you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. My topic today is handling criticism. I hate receiving criticism, (laughs) so I hope that makes me ideally placed to talk about it. I've been on quite a journey in this area over the past few years, and my prayer is that God will continue to grow and strengthen me here, even through this talk. Criticism tends to affect me in one of two ways when I receive it. I get angry, or I get fearful. In fact, sometimes I get so fearful that I become paralyzed. There is a very specific form of criticism coming from an authority figure who I respect on a particular set of topics that seems to send me into a panic when I receive it. My mind just slows down. I struggle to speak and find I have to really force every word out. I forget all the spiritual truths, and generally, my world seems to spiral. I don't know why this happens in this particular set of circumstances, but at least by the grace of God, it is fairly rare. I know others respond in different ways. Some people seem to handle criticism very well. They accept what is good, filter out what is bad, and can make the appropriate changes to their lives. But I think many, like me, tend to respond negatively. I know some people for whom any criticism feeds a sense of worthlessness. Some get discouraged and downhearted. Many others get annoyed or angry, as I usually tend to do. Criticism can be so hard to handle because it speaks into our identity. Personally, I get a lot of my sense of who I am, of my identity, from what I do and from what other people think of me. And criticism hits at both of these. It says that you don't think I did a good job or that you think that I messed up or failed in some way. And perhaps, therefore, you think less of me as a person. So it hits right at that identity, that core of me. This is true in both the workplace and in our personal lives. I think of myself as someone who does good work and who tries to do what is right for the b- and best for people. So I want others to recognize that, and I want myself to see it in both these spheres. What do we do with a challenge to our identity? How do we respond healthily? And how do we bring criticism to others in a way that is most likely to be helpful to them? The passage that was just read for us gives us a number of pieces of wisdom in this area. But first, if you're anything like me, I would say that we need to learn to deal with this at least at two levels. First, we need to deal with it in the immediate term. We need to deal with the criticism itself and all the emotions brought up by it, whether that's anger or discouragement or a sense of worthlessness. And second, we need to deal with it in the long term. We need to be transformed in our identities, in our very inner being. This is a work of God's Spirit, which we need to pray for, and which he will grow in us over a longer period as we seek him. The more our identities are rooted firmly 
in God, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in the Father who loves us no matter what, in our Saviour who died to set us free, the less we will be affected by other influences, whether criticism or anything else. Let's get into our passage now, and we'll see what it has to say. We'll look through it verse by verse, so please keep it open in front of you. Starting at verse 15. The way of the fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. This speaks to our immediate response to criticism. When we are criticized, there may be a reaction inside us that says, they can't be right, or I can't have made a mistake, or no, there's nothing in what they say. But the Bible tells us that the wise listen to advice. If we don't want to be a fool in God's eyes, we need to listen to whatever criticism comes our way with an open heart. We need to be ready to learn and to be corrected, even if the person speaking is saying it in a very bad way. We must listen and try to find out if there's even a kernel of truth in what they are saying. To do this, we need God's help. Jesus is wisdom personified, so we should bring every word of criticism before him and ask him to show us what is true and what isn't. It bears emphasizing again that the wise do not need to believe every word of criticism spoken against them. We need Christ's discernment so that we can know where there is just a falsehood or a misunderstanding that we can safely reject. Verse 16. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Here again, we have some advice about our immediate response to criticism. Perhaps, like me, receiving criticisms often makes you angry or annoyed. Well, the Bible says that only a fool shows their annoyance at once. Fools lash out or explode or make a cutting remark, but the prudent are different. Even where criticism really was just an insult to your ability and to your character, with no bearing in the truth, we are told that the prudent will overlook it. They won't respond in anger. Maybe they won't respond at all. Now, as I've said, we want to come to the place where our identity is so rooted in Christ that hurtful words don't hit home to our core anymore. And so, where these negative emotions don't rise up with nearly the same strength. As we grow in this identity, we will grow truly prudent, able to overlook an insult without taking it to heart. However, until that point, many of us will still have to deal with the anger or other negative emotions that come up when we feel hurt. If we don't react out to them in an instant or show them, what should we do with them? The Bible tells us this in other places. In Ephesians 4:26, for example, we are told, do not let the sun go down on your anger. God has given us the capacity to hold in our anger, to put it down and to put it aside for a time. But he never meant for us to leave it there forever. This was something that I didn't understand for a long time. I thought that forgiveness meant shoving things under the carpet. At times, I could be quite good at keeping a straight face when someone criticized or insulted me. But inside, I just let the anger build up and boil 
So I grew more and more resentful and bitter towards certain people. This is not what God wants. The end of each day, he tells us to deal with it. So, someone hurts you, and a negative reaction rises within you, but you don't respond immediately. You hold your tongue, holding that part of you that wants to lash out or counterattack. And then what do you do? Later in the day, when you have a chance, you pour it out to God. This is one of the things the Psalms teach us to do. Crush my enemies, O Lord. Or, I've been misunderstood. Bring justice and fairness, O Lord. Or, protect me, Lord. Defend me. Those who should be my friends are attacking me. Or, or I've messed up, Lord. I hate it. Help me. Free me. Pray like the psalmist. Pour out your heart to God. Give the emotions to him in faith, and he will take them then you don't have to carry them around anymore. It's often people who haven't been doing this regularly who find it hardest not to lash out in the moment. The more an emotion gets put aside and stored, the more it builds up. If you don't empty it out to God regularly, it becomes harder and harder to react calmly. We all perhaps know people who are like that, perhaps a bit like boiling volcanoes, if you just press the wrong button, they explode. There's a lot, often a lot of hurt in their past. They've never learned to deal with properly, and so it just takes the right trigger to push them over the edge. So, the prudent overlook an insult, and they do so best by dealing it, dealing with it, with God later in the day. Verse 17. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. Well, there could be lots of applications of this passage, but in the context of receiving criticism, it is helpful to remember that it can come in two forms. It could be true, or it could be false. We shouldn't fall into the trap of the fool and be convinced that our way is right all the time. But neither should we fall into the trap of believing everything others say about us or to us. This will lead to us being thrown about by every wave of people's opinions. And we must also remember that there is one ultimate false witness. Satan loves to use the criticisms of others to pull us down and to accuse our souls. Often those who struggle with discouragement or worthlessness are most susceptible to this. But we don't have to give in when Satan takes, tries to take the criticism of others and turn it into something bigger an accusation of who you are. You're worthless. You're no good at anything. You'll never amount to much. How could anyone love you? Satan is always a false witness. But the Bible tells us to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So take a stand against any inner accusations. Renounce them. Declare them to be a lie in Jesus' name, and declare out the truths about who you are in Christ. Trust in the redemption of the Father. Trust that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Fight in the name of Jesus against the enemy. As we do this, our identity gradually becomes more and more rooted in God's truths that we are declaring. Verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I'm going to switch tack here and talk about handling criticism from the other side. If you are the one who needs to point out something that was wrong, remember this verse. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. No one likes to be pierced by a sword. I hope that's obvious. You have the option as one bringing criticism to offer words that will pierce and cut, or words that will bring healing and growth. To be reckless is to be unthinking or uncaring. Other translations of the Bible translate this as someone who speaks rashly, hastily. Just as the fool may respond to criticism in annoyance, we can give criticism recklessly, without thinking or caring about how to heal and build up the other person. I'm afraid I've been like that myself too many times in the past. Far too ready to drop a truth bomb on someone, and not ready to really do the work needed to say something wise and helpful. There's a person I know who I sometimes think has a prophetic gift, because they can really spot where things are wrong, where there are issues and errors, and they're usually right, but they can't seem to communicate this in a way that is well-received. The way they point these things out puts people's backs up. The person receiving the criticism feels attacked and stabbed, and so pushes this critic away and doesn't receive their message. And that just leads to bitterness and anger on both sides. We need wisdom. Is it even right to talk about this issue? Is this really something God wants me to do? If it is, how can I bring it up in a way that builds up and heals and has the most chance of bringing transformation? At the end of the day, when both giving and receiving criticism, we need to act out of a heart of forgiveness. If we have been cut by rash or wrong words, we need to pour out our anger to God and then choose to forgive the person who hurt us. We release them into his hands. If we see something that needs to be criticized, we need to prepare our hearts beforehand, choosing to forgive the person for whatever they did wrong, and also giving God any anger their behavior may have caused us. Again, we release the other person into God's hands, trusting him as the perfect judge, as the one responsible for the outcome, and then we just do our part, whatever that may be. You may be wondering how I handle criticism now that I know all this. Well, I said at the beginning it's been a growth journey for me over the past few years, and I'm afraid I'm not there yet. But God has been restoring my identity in him, showing me that he approves of me, and that that is enough. It makes such a difference to know that God approves of you, that he thinks so well of you, he thinks that you're his beloved son, and that nothing you can do can mess that up. But to be honest, I still rarely struggle with criticism, and particularly when I feel misunderstood. I have this desire to vindicate myself. I really want to make the other person understand, and it makes me angry that they don't. But by the grace of God, I believe I've grown in my ability to at least handle those emotions healthily. I'm more able to remain calm in the instant and then bring the anger up later when I have time with God. I've also learned to make forgiveness a daily choice. I still have those moments of panic 
when the criticism is on just the right topic from just the right type of person. I still freeze. All my good advice goes out the window, and I, I can't even remember to pray usually. Sometimes I can just about say, help to Lord God, but my mind really just goes. But I found that these seem to be getting triggered less frequently now. I can't say what in particular has changed, but I put it down to the restoration work of God. I do believe that as he's restored my identity, less and less hits that, that inner point that just causes that panic. I'm sure each of you are in different places in your own journeys with God. He knows your hearts, and he knows what areas you need to grow in as well. Let's take a moment to commit ourselves to him in prayer. Father, thank you for your love for us, and for the security and peace that that brings us. Please help us, Lord. You know where each of us are, where our struggles are, with criticism, with insults, with our identity. Grow us, Lord. Grow us more into you, more into that assurance of your love, so that we can stand firm in that. Protect us, Lord, we pray, from temptations and tests that are too strong for us. But help us, Lord, as we receive criticism, not to fall into any of those traps of worthlessness or lashing out or anger. And Lord, as these emotions come up, Teach us how to deal with them well. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.